This is by no means an exhaustive list, but it's just examples to show you that in these cases, cervical checks would be beneficial because we can actually do something with the information. Now, say you are on a unit where common practice on that unit is, is that the nurse or the doctor checks you every two hours or every four hours just routinely because that's just how they do things on that unit. That's not necessarily to your benefit that it can actually be to your detriment because too many checks, especially after your waters have broken, will increase your risk for infection. Giving birth is one of the most significant events of your life. Sadly, the joy that you should feel can often be replaced with anxiety and helplessness instead. As a labor and delivery nurse, I'm revealing insider information to educate you, reassure you, and decrease your fear. In this podcast, you'll hear empowering birth stories and experts weigh in on a range of topics. Being Jewish also has me exploring Judaism's influence on the reproductive experience. However, I speak to anyone wishing to navigate their journey with more joy and confidence. I'm your host, Hani Fingerer, and you're listening to the Happy Birthday Podcast. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Welcome to episode 68 of the Happy Birthway podcast. I know that for many of you, Parm is probably just a distant memory, but I have not been on here since. So I hope if you celebrate Purim, you had a beautiful Purim. My family did a theme. We did drunken donuts, and my daughter was a donut. My son was a policeman that eats donuts, and actually there was a cop that wanted to take a picture with him because he thought that was such a cute costume. And my honey, my puppy, my big dog, she was a donut too. My two teens are way too cool to dress up with the family theme, so they dressed up with their friends. I can't believe I'm at that stage of my life, but this was my first perm that this happened, and I got sweatshirts for my husband and myself. That said, Drunken Donuts, perm runs on drinking, and I have to say this is the first time that I made sweatshirts for a perm costume, and I think from now on, I'm going to make sweatshirts for just like the whole family for a perm costume. It was the easiest thing in the world. Anyway, for those of you who are celebrating Pace coming up really soon. I'm sorry to remind you about it if it's stressing you out. Um, I hope that your prep is going well. I wanted to talk about cervical checks, vaginal exams, however you call it in this episode. Um, I'm seeing a lot of stuff on Instagram lately that talks about declining cervical checks. You don't need to have a cervical check, blah, 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 which in some cases that's true. However, instead of focusing on the fact that you can decline cervical checks, I'd like instead to focus on when would it be beneficial for you to receive a cervical check and when would it present more risk than benefit for you to receive a cervical check. So for starters, let's address the fact that labor is not a linear process. And what that means is that you can be two or three centimeters one moment and two hours later, you can be fully dilated and pushing and have a baby. 
And so with that in mind, we have to realize that cervical checks are not going to be able to project, predict when you're going to have a baby. When my patients ask me, when is the doctor going to come and check my cervix? Then my answer to them is, is, is that overall, if there's not going to be a change in how things are going at this moment, then there's no reason to check your cervix. Now, what's the downside of having your cervix checked? Well, with every time that your cervix is checked, your risk for developing an infection in labor goes up. And this is especially true if your water is broken. The amniotic sac encases the baby, and before the amniotic sac is broken, your baby is not exposed to any microorganisms. Now, some microorganisms are good microorganisms. They're known as the flora, which is the healthy bacteria that you have in your stomach, that you have on your skin. Well, your baby doesn't have any of that yet, and your baby starts to be exposed to the microorganisms in the extrauterine environment after your baby is born or after the amniotic sac is ruptured. This is even more relevant to those who have group B strep, who are group B strep positive, since exposure to that bacteria can increase a baby's risk for developing group B strep meningitis. And so cervical checks should be limited and used judiciously. They shouldn't be done routinely every four hours just because that's the routine in the hospital. Because if you're three centimeters and you get an epidural and your baby's status in utero is reassuring and your vitals are normal and you're tolerating labor and your pain is well controlled, Having a cervical check two hours later, three, four hours later, is not really going to change much unless there is a change in your status or in your baby's status. But if everything is proceeding as expected, we're not expecting you to be fully dilated and ready to push in two or four hours after your three centimeters. You're still in early labor, and early labor takes time to progress, and so there's really no reason to check you unless it would change something in your plan of care. For example, if suddenly your baby seemed to be having decelerations in their heart rate recurrently and your baby wouldn't be recovering well in between, or if you suddenly developed a fever, or if you suddenly developed a complication that necessitates an expeditious delivery. In those cases, it might be helpful to check your cervix and get information. For example, let's say your baby's Heart rate tracing is not the most reassuring one. Now, heart rate tracings are very complex. I will do another episode on that, God willing, hopefully soon. But they're very complex. They're really not black and white. And they're very unclear oftentimes as to determining how well your baby is doing in utero. Um, I'd say about 75 to 80% of strips are what we call indeterminate category, category two. And that means that it's not always 100% possible to tell what's going on with your baby. However, when we see that your baby's heart rate tracing is trending toward a not good way, then your doctor or midwife will start to kind of think about, you know, how much longer can your baby tolerate labor like this? And so at that point, maybe a cervical check would be helpful because let's say you're checked in your eight centimeters. Well, the decision as to determining how your baby will be born it will be different than if you were only four centimeters. If we would think that you would have many hours of labor left, your baby likely would not tolerate that. 
Here's another example. I recently had a patient a few weeks ago who was planning to have a birth center birth, but her plans veered, of course, when her water was broken for over 24 hours and she needed to have an induction. Um, And at a certain point, her body just kicked into gear on its own and was doing labor on its own. But after a few hours, that labor started to weaken and her contractions started to get further apart. She was also feeling a lot of pressure. So it was, we were at a crossroads because it could have been that she was in transition and that she was ready to push out her baby. But at the same time, it could have been that she was just three centimeters because she hadn't been checked in, I don't know, 12, 14, 20 hours for a really long time. Or it could have been that she was earlier on still and her contractions were spread out and her water has been broken for 48 hours. And that is increasing her risk for infection in and of itself. And so it would be indicated to help her along with some Pitocin. Now, I'm pretty conservative about cervical checks, um, and I'm, I'm really accommodating to patients that want to go as low intervention as possible, even though I am in a hospital. But at this point, I had a conversation with her because she was kind of, you know, back and forth, wasn't sure if she wanted to have a cervical check or not. And I sat in and I had a conversation with her and I explained to her what my concerns were and why I think the information from having a cervical check would be helpful. And she did decide to have a cervical check and she was three centimeters dilated. And now this was after many hours of being in intense labor. And It was at that point where we knew that she would need Pitocin to speed up her labor, um, you know, because she was only three centimeters and her waters were broken for such a long time and we wanted to mitigate the risk for her developing an infection. And at that point, she also realized that she was getting way too tired out. And although her original plan was not to have an epidural, maternal exhaustion, being really tired can affect how your labor progresses and especially can affect how you push with pushing. And so at that point, it helped her make a decision that she would like an epidural and it helped her solidify the need for Pitocin that it truly was an indication in her case. And so this is just another example of where a cervical check would actually be beneficial. Another example would be if you already are having an induction, um, say you are in the beginning of the induction and your cervix needs to be ripened. So this is even before you have Pitocin. So you would get a cervical ripening agent, which again, I keep saying I will do an episode on that as well, but you are getting a cerv- cervical ripening agent and let's say you got a medication and it expires in about four hours and now your doctor and your birth care team need to make a decision as to what the next step of the induction is going to be. Do you need more cervical ripening agents or is it appropriate to start Pitocin? And that's dependent on your Bishop score and other factors, which I will hopefully go into at another time. If you are interested in learning more about induction, I do have an episode on induction. It's called Pitocin in Labor and it is episode 59. So look that up. But when your doctor and midwife is deciding what the next step of the induction will be, that is an indication to check your cervix. When you're at a place where originally you thought you didn't want to have an epidural, but you're in a place where you're feeling a lot of pain and you're not sure if you're going to be able to continue to tolerate that, you might want to know, are you eight or nine centimeters or are you just four centimeters? Because 
this information is going to potentially change how you decide to go about coping with the pain of labor. This is by no means an exhaustive list, but it's just examples to show you that in these cases, cervical checks would be beneficial because we can actually do something with the information. Now, say you are on a unit where common practice on that unit is is that the nurse or the doctor checks you every two hours or every four hours, just routinely because that's just how they do things on that unit. That's not necessarily to your benefit that it can actually be to your detriment because too many checks, especially after your waters have broken, will increase your risk for infection. Now, admittedly, sometimes the cervical check is done for the provider's convenience. And I don't even want to say convenience because Let's face it, your doctor or midwife is likely caring for multiple patients at the same time. And if one patient is due to have a C-section and they have another two patients that are in labor, they may want to plan ahead and figure out how, who they're going to see first, who they're going to attend their delivery first. Should they push off the C-section because the mother in the next room is nine and a half centimeters and may have the baby and the doctor doesn't want to miss that birth. So admittedly, sometimes it is for the provider to plan, but at the same time, it may be to your benefit because you would like for your provider to delay a c-section that's not urgent in order to be able to attend your birth and not miss your birth however on some units i will tell you there are practices where it's just routine every four hours and the doctor just calls the nurse and wants an update to say how far dilated is she and in that case many times it may not be beneficial it may not be to your benefit if you're four centimeters we don't expect in four hours for you to make any major change that's a normal labor pattern if you're six centimeters we don't necessarily expect in four hours for you to be fully dilated maybe you will be fully dilated but you will likely feel rectal pressure even with an epidural if you won't feel rectal pressure sometimes there are signs that we can see from your baby's heart rate strip that your you know labor is progressing and you're entering the stage or you may be fully dilated and will want to push or after a certain amount of time it's reasonable for us to expect that so then you know the nurse or doctor will check you however just to routinely check somebody every two hours or every four hours is not a good practice and like I said before it really can increase your risk for infection I want to bring up another example that I find really important for people to know. And thankfully, I feel like I work in a great hospital and I've seen the practice that we do in our hospital and I was actually surprised to find out that in many hospitals, this is not done. But if you have groupie strep and your waters have broken and you come to the hospital, somebody who has groupie strep should receive IV antibiotics during labor in order to help prevent the risk of infection to the baby contracting it. Again, I will do an entire groupie strep episode another time, but just in a nutshell, that's the case. Now, if you come, your waters are broken, you may not really be contracting too much, and you're groupie strep positive. Really, unless there's a change, like if the baby seems not to be doing well or if you develop some complication, the treatment is pretty straightforward. You need the IV antibiotics. There's no doubt about that. And you likely will be offered 
Pitocin because if you're not really contracting a lot, then it may be recommended to speed up your labor. Again, there are more individualized plans of care, but that is something common and that is something that might be truly to your benefit. And so the plan of care is pretty straightforward and nothing would change if you were examined. It might feel good for the team to know whether you're four centimeters or two centimeters or maybe even six centimeters, even though the example I just gave you, you're not really contracting too much. So that would be less likely. So it might be nice to have a number to put on the board that the unit keeps in the hospital. But at the same time, it probably would be better to hold off checking your cervix for at least four hours after you started getting the first dose of antibiotics. And I found out that in many hospitals, a patient will come in with their waters broken and it's confirmed that their waters are broken and their groupies are positive. And before they even get their first dose of antibiotics, they will just be checked. And that really does greatly increase the risk for infection. So I will reiterate that if your waters are broken, you should be even more guarded about receiving a cervical check. And to end off this episode, everyone is going to have different circumstances. There's no way that I can cover all the circumstances, but I will tell you that if you are hesitant and you're not sure if the cervical check is to your benefit, a really great question to ask your nurse, your doctor, or your midwife is, how will this information change your plan of care for me. And if you were four centimeters four hours ago and they say, well, you know, if you're fully dilated, we could start pushing. I could call the doctor. Then it's probably not likely that you're fully dilated. And it's probably just going to be an extra cervical check. That's not necessary. And that's not for me to tell you. Everyone is different. But it's a further conversation that you can have with your doctor or midwife and say, well, If I was four centimeters four hours ago, it's not likely that I'll be fully dilated, right? So why are we going to check so soon? Thanks for listening to this episode. Thank you for being here. Again, I encourage you to email me, reach out by calling my hotline, which is 203-759-8639. And please, if you have not yet reviewed and rated the show, please, 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 can you do so? It's pretty easy to do. If you have an Apple account, all you have to do is go on the app, Apple Podcasts, or go on your computer and put in Apple Podcasts. You just hit the five stars. You also can write a review. You don't have to. You can literally write three lines or two words. Love it. Um, And then you can also rate me on Spotify. Again, all the way at the top, you'll see the little star button. Just tap it and tap five stars, please. I have some really great guests coming up on the show after Pesach, and I hope to be back here for at least one more episode, maybe two more episodes before Pesach, but as I'm sure many of you can relate, it is a crazy time of year for all of us who are making Pesach, aka Passover, and good luck to you in all of your preparations. Thanks for tuning into the Happy Birthway Podcast. Head over to Yolwedit Academy on Instagram to continue the conversation. You'll find the link in the episode show notes, as well as links to any additional resources, products, and services mentioned here. If you love listening to this show, you can help it grow by sharing it with your friends and rating and reviewing it. To stay in the loop when new episodes are released, make sure to subscribe. 
Remember that your health needs are unique and require individualized medical advice. The podcast is not a replacement, and some of the information may not be appropriate for your specific circumstances. My mission is to educate you so that you can confidently collaborate with your healthcare team. I believe that a healthy mom and healthy baby are simply not enough. We also need a happy mom with an empowering birth experience.